When we ask that question, what do you want for Christmas, this very question causes us to want for something more, doesn't it? Even if you don't, even if you're completely content with what you have, somebody says, what do you want for Christmas? They're expecting an answer, and nothing is never a good answer. By the way, when a family member or friend says, what do you want for Christmas? I want to get you something for Christmas. What do you want? Oh, I don't need anything. I have everything that I've ever wanted. And then they just stand there and look at you. Okay, but keep thinking. Dig a little bit deeper, because I'm going to get you something whether it's something you tell me or something I just go out and find on the dollar store shelf, I'm buying you something, so you better tell me what it is you want for Christmas. That very question, what do you want for Christmas, causes us to want for something more. For some, when we ask that question, what do you want for Christmas, it, uh, it becomes this elusive, always wanting something that is out of reach. Some people say, if I could just have that, then I would be happy. You ever felt that way about anything in your life? If I could just have that, then I would be happy. If I could just have a little bit more of this, then I would be happy. If I could just have what that person across the street has, then I'd be happy. I mean, look at commercials nowadays, right? If I could just have that candy bar, then I'd be completely happy. I mean, look at them. They're all smiling on there. Right? I once heard a comedian, he said, yeah, but I'm, I'm standing there eating that very candy bar that they're, they're advertising. I don't feel at all like those people on the TV do. Right? But for some people, it is. It's, it's, it's that elusive, I need more, I need more, I need more. If I could just have that, then I'd be happy. And what we're saying in that even mindset, whether we intend to or not, what it becomes is, I'm not happy now. I'm not content with what I have now. And that's the danger of that question, what do you want for Christmas? If it's always something we want, always something we need in order to make us happy. Now I want to go back a few centuries ago, about 700 years before Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of all mankind, was born. About 700 years before the prophet Isaiah, if he would have asked the Israelite people, what do you want right now? If he would have asked them, they would have said, I want a little bit of hope. I want a little bit of joy. I want to know that I am loved. I want to experience that love. I want to experience this peace. Last week we read from Isaiah 61. I'd invite you to turn there with me. We're going to go there every week this Christmas season. Throughout this series, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. You can find that in the Pew Bible. You can find that, I'm sure, in your Bible. Or if you're following along on the Bible app, you can uh, find it outlined there for you. Isaiah chapter 61, the prophet Isaiah says, writes, 700 years before Jesus Christ is born, he writes this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today we're focusing on joy. We'd like the 
candle that represents joy, that pink candle in our Advent wreath. Let me ask you this, friends. How many of you would say, you know what, I need a little bit more joy in my life? Anyone? Don't be ashamed. Come on. I know some of you. I've talked to some of you. Oh no, that wasn't funny, was it? That wasn't funny. We all need a little bit more joy in our life. I think we need a little bit more joy in the church. Are you with me? Wait, 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 wait. So you amen that when I say we need more joy in the church, but you don't need more joy in your life. You know what that means? That means you're turning to the left, you're turning to the right, and you're saying, yeah, that person needs more joy. That person needs more joy. But not me, Pastor. I don't need any more joy in my life. I'm overflowing with joy. Are you with me? We all need joy. Let's get an amen to that. My kids, if they were in here right now and I said, I need a little bit more joy in my life, I guarantee two of them at least would stand up and yell, Hallelujah, Amen. You need some more joy in your life. That's where we are. But Isaiah here, in chapter 61, he looks ahead to a time when that good news will be preached to all people everywhere. This great joy that we are searching for that can only be found in Jesus Christ. He looks ahead to the time when that joy will be made known to all people everywhere. You see, at this time, God's people, the Israelites, they had been pummeled with heartache. They were grieving. They were persecuted. Yet in the midst of all of their sadness, these words filled them with these longing for something more. We want something more than this. You see, they had waited a long, long, long time for this promised gift of God. They were looking ahead to that day. So, let's fast forward from Isaiah 61. Let's fast forward to Luke chapter 2. About 700 years. I've said that a few times. It's important that you know that, friends. About 700 years after Isaiah chapter 61 was written. We fast forward from that time to a hillside in Bethlehem. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Amen? Imagine being there that night. Imagine being a shepherd on that hillside in Bethlehem that night. The glory of the Lord shines around them. It says they were terrified. I bet they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news, great joy. What is it? Good news, great joy. Do you have good news in your life? Do you have great joy in your life? I bring you good news, great joy that will be for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to who? To you. To me. He is Christ the Lord. 
I didn't read that before, did I? I didn't read verse 11. That's how you didn't know it was for you. There's uh, four words that stick out to me from this passage. Say these words with me. Night, light, fright, all right. Say that again. Night, light, fright, all right. Austin, would you put that up there on the screen for me? That's the message right there. You can read it, but you don't have to read it. We'll get to that in a minute. See, these events that happened this night to the, the shepherds, I use those four words to describe this. Night, light, fright, and all rights. First is the word night. It says that the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks at night. See, this is a picture of the human race apart from Jesus Christ. Amen. That we are walking in complete darkness and we're, we're, we're bumping into things, we're banging into things, we, we can't find our way out. We're searching for this elusive thing that if we had this, then we would have joy. And we just keep searching and searching and searching. It's like we're looking for something in the middle of the night and we're just feeling around on the floor. No, I can't, I can't, I can't see it. But if somebody would just turn on that light for us, everything would be made clear. See, this night that we talk about, it says the shepherds were keeping watch at night. Before Christ and without Christ, we are all standing in complete darkness. We are standing in the night. Spiritual darkness covering our lives. And at this point, when the shepherds were keeping watch, spiritual darkness had covered the earth for many, many years. And the people were waiting. They were waiting for that promised Messiah. The one that God had said would come into the world. But recovery of sight for the blind, as Isaiah had prophesied about 700 years before, was about to come. Our blind eyes were about to be healed. They were about to be opened. The light was about to come on in this world when Jesus was born. So I say night lights, not a night lights, because it was brighter than a night light. Are you with me, friends? Not a night light, but a bright light. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appears in the flash of a light. Can you imagine how bright the glory of the Lord is? Amen. I'll give you that. It's like, you know, when, uh, when I go to wake my kids up some, some mornings, when it's my, you know, when I'm going in to wake them up, their rooms are almost complete darkness. Not quite, because sometimes there's light shining in the window. Sometimes there's a little night light over here. But if I can't get them up, in each one of their rooms, I can turn on the closet lights, and when I turn on that closet light, you would think that I had just gone over and poked them with a, a cattle prod or something. Because that light, as soon as I turn that on, ah! Like they're melting. Like the, 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 the witch from Wizard of Oz or whatever. Ah, light! See, I think that's one reason that the shepherds were afraid that night. Is 
because they, this was a light like they had never seen before. This was something that, that came out of the complete darkness and struck their lives. Have you ever felt like that? See, that's how, that's how Jesus so often comes into our life. And if we can comprehend all that He is, if we can begin to unpack this gift that He is in our lives, it will shock us. It will change us. It will transform us. Are you with me, friends? Get excited. I'm going to keep going. Light, light, light. David Hooten, he read this morning about this light coming into our lives. This light coming into the world. This light coming out of complete darkness. This light represents the Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't think the Holy Spirit gets enough credit, friends. The Holy Spirit is what churns within us. It's what gives us passion to, to live and to, 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 to be the representation of Jesus Christ in our world. That's what gives the church some passion. Night. Light. Fright. It says they were terrified. You know what? I've thought before... I thought before that angels must be some pretty ugly things. I'm serious, and here's why. And that, that sounds bad, but I can pick on angels because... Anyway. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not picking on God. I just, I just, every time an angel... Every time an angel shows up in the Old Testament, even in the, 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 the Gospels here, everybody's afraid of them. Ah! You do a Christmas play, he said, the angel comes out and you should see people just, oh, no, I don't want to see you, you know. But no, no, no. In all seriousness, I think angels, I think that the, the terror, the fright filled people because angels were, were the messengers of judgment, messengers of, of wrath throughout the Old Testament. And so these shepherds, standing in complete darkness, going about their business like normal a bright light shines. The glory of God fills the sky. And then angels appear in the heavens. Says they were, the, the King James Version says they were sore afraid. They were completely terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Don't be afraid. That's where I get my word all right. Out of the night shines a light. And in our fright, we find that everything is all right. It's like God calling down to those shepherds saying, it's, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I said to one of my kids last night, it's not as bad as you make it seem in your head. It's all right. It's all right. See, I think sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to whisper that in our ear. It's going to be all right. Jesus is on your side. Jesus came for you. He's fighting for you. Everything's going to be all right. So those angels, they said, do not be afraid. Verse 10, Luke 2. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born 
to you He is Christ the Lord. Good news. You think that's good news? Yeah, that's good news. See, good news is only good news when it comes when it comes in the midst of bad news. Are you with me? We don't need good news if everything else is already going well in our life. Oftentimes people say, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I always want to hear the bad news first because that good news will soften the blow. But good news, that's why they didn't have to, uh, they didn't have to fear because these angels had this enormous announcement. I bring you good news in the midst of bad news. So let me tell you the bad news first. Because it's not alright for the church just to hear good news all the time. we got enough churches that are preaching just the good news. Are you with me? So if that's what you want, go find another church. Okay? Because here's the bad news. We're all a bunch of sinners. We're all a bunch of sinners and our punishment for our sin is death. That is eternal separation from God. That's the bad news. Alright? The good news is that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, that came to be one of us so that we don't have to pay that penalty. We don't have to face that punishment. See, and that good news over here makes this bad news seem like, wow, I can, I can forget about that. All I have to do then is walk with Jesus. It's that very simple. Until you and I understand, see, that the depth of our wickedness, the depth of our sin, we won't appreciate the good news of Jesus Christ's birth. We can't appreciate that amazing grace until we have first appreciated the fact that we deserve the wrath of God. That's what we deserve, friends. But this great joy won't come into our life. This, won't, this, this great joy won't be completely good news to us until that gospel message settles into our heart and actually changes us, makes a difference, brings some sort of transformation to our lives and the way we live, the way we act, the way we, we speak, the way we think. I bring you good news of great Joy. The, this word great is the, the Greek word megas. It's megas joy. Supersized joy. Supersized cheerfulness. That does not come from any outside worldly source. No, I bring you megasized joy that only comes from Jesus Christ and I bring it into your life in the form of Jesus Christ. You see, these shepherds are standing out there going about their business that dark night. The glory of the Lord fills the, the sky. This angel presents himself, says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. They go from terror to overflowing joy and cheerfulness in their life. Mega joy. Friends, I... I I asked earlier, how many of us want some joy in our life this Christmas? I want some joy in my life this Christmas. I want some joy in my life, period. I want to experience Jesus in a way that things of this world don't change my level of joy. Are you with me? Galatians uh, 4, 
chapter 4, verse 15, the Apostle Paul asked the church, get this, ready? What happened to all your joy? Where did it go? See, that's the question I think the church needs to wrestle with more and more and more, maybe every week, maybe every day. What happened to all our joy? Shouldn't we be the ones that are overflowing with joy? Shouldn't we be the ones that, that things of this world happen and we say, well, you know, it's all a part of God's plan. As long as we're committed to Him, as long as we're walking with Him, as long as we're submitting these things to Him in prayer, we have to have joy and trust in Him. Are you with me? Few of you still are. Good, I'll turn to page three then. So I've got these, these things, next steps, these things that I think we can do that will bring our level of joy up in our lives and in the church. Now number one, there's only two, number one, I wrote, make it personal. Make it personal. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to everyone else but you. That's not what it says, is it? No. See, these, these words of the, the angel, these are not just for the shepherd, these are for us as well. Today in the city of David, the day in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and to you, and to you. He is Christ the Lord. He has been born to you. Christmas must become personal. Christ's birth must become personal in order for it to make a difference in our life. One of my boys, he'll, he'll say, no offense, but... And then he thinks he can say whatever he wants. Am I right? No offense, but... Don't finish that sentence, alright? I, I, I bring that up because I think some people say, well, don't take this personally, but... And then we take it personally, don't we? Why'd you preface it that way? I want to tell you that if Jesus was to present the gospel message, he would preface it by saying, take this personally. This is directed to you. You are a sinner apart from the, the, the grace of God. You need me, Jesus would say. So come to me, walk with me, trust me, and I will fill you with my holy presence. I will fill you with overflowing, mega-sized joy. Number one, make it personal. Number two, share it personally. It says here, Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. See, God's mega message of joy was never intended to be just for one group of people, one location. Instead, as the, the angel announces here to the shepherds, this message, this Messiah is for all people everywhere. See, that's the reason that most of us can be here today celebrating Christmas. Most of us can be here today is because this message was not just sent, this Messiah was not just sent to the Israelite people, to the Jewish people. Instead, Jesus came for all people everywhere. 
I say take it or make it personal and then share it personally. One of the greatest ways to make it personal, one of the greatest ways to be reminded of the, the truth of our joy, the source of our joy, is to talk about Jesus with other people. So I don't, I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we, we look for opportunities to speak Jesus, to share Jesus, to introduce Jesus. We, we, we read almost every week. One of our core values as a church is intentional discipleship. What does that mean, intentional discipleship? We just walk out the door, we go about our life, and then we come back a week later and we say, hey, I'm glad to be back with you. There's no intentionality about sharing Jesus, but I'm back together. Don't sit in my pew. Oh, I didn't say that. Verse 8. Nobody would say that here. Nobody would say that here. I'm, I'm, I, I really do joke. Eight, verse 8. And there were shepherds, I'm going to read this again, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Do not be afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people everywhere. Let's fast forward just a few years. Let's fast forward about 30 years to Luke chapter 4. Just turn a couple of pages if you would. Luke chapter 4. 30 years from this announcement, the shepherds on this hillside in Bethlehem, to a scene in the synagogue when Jesus gets up to read. He's handed the scroll of Isaiah. He unrolls and he finds the place where it is written. Verse 18 of Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus says, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me, Jesus says, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to re release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, Jesus came to bring us joy. Jesus came to fulfill this prophecy of Isaiah. Jesus came for you and for me. The only way to experience joy this Christmas, friends, is to, is to experience Jesus. So as we close this message today, I'm going to read what's up there on the, on the wall for you. Into the night shines a light, and in the place of your fright, everything is all right. Good news of great joy for all has come to you. Friends, as we close today, that's the invitation. Pure and, and simple. If you don't know Jesus, He is your source of joy. If you don't know Jesus, if you have not experienced a transformation through His power, don't leave this place. Experience that today. It's so very simple. All you have to do is admit first, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Second, I need you, Jesus, to come to forgive my sins, to come into my life. 
Jesus, I, I promise that I will walk with you. That you will be my Lord, that is the one that I serve, and my Savior, that is the one that brings me salvation from my sin. Father God, I pray today for our church family. I pray today, God, for all, Lord, those who are here today, Lord, those that are watching online, those, God, that will hear this message, Jesus, secondhand. Father God, I, I pray for your blessing, Lord, in lives today, God. I pray joy through your Holy Spirit would be experienced like never before. I pray, God, that this invitation, Jesus, you extended first to, to the shepherds when you invited them to come and to experience Jesus firsthand. God, I pray, Lord, that that invitation would be heard in each and every one of our ears, each and every one of our lives, Lord Jesus. That you would touch and transform and bring us joy this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.